Thank you, Leila. Kind, thank you. Um, and, and Leila's right. Like, this seems like a walk in the park this morning. Uh, like, it's probably, a, maybe it's a sign of my sheltered life, but that was the most frightening experience of my life <laughs> last night, yesterday. Um, I'd agreed to do it without doing any sort of homework on what I'd said yes to. And, um, I, honestly, I can't even describe the feeling of standing on that stage looking at, like, 500 women, like, sort of triggered me now. I'm, like, freaking out already. My palms are sweating. Um, Neville's right, though. I haven't prepared well this morning. Eli is uh, Eli's doing a project. Eli's doing a project um, in school on reptiles. Uh, so this, because I always want to help them out, I've always wanted to be involved in my kids' homeworks and all of that. Um, so I went into, went into the library and I asked the, the librarian, do you have any books on turtles? She said, hardback. And I said, yes, with little heads. Jamie. Oh, Jamie. <laughs> Jamie, Eli's doing a project in school <laughs> on, on reptiles. So I went into the library and asked the librarian, uh, do you have any books on turtles? She said, hardback. And I said, yes, with little heads. Bless you, brother. Jamie's got the gift of encouragement when it comes to that. Um, to try and transition, like, this is a... I'm really grateful for how the guys have led us in worship. And, uh, and just, to, just to prep them, if they don't mind, uh, you know, they're maybe they're done. They're done for the day. I'd love to sing that song. Um, I'd love to sing I'm Desperate For You at the end. Because essentially, that's uh, of all the things that we want to talk about in fasting and all the things that we want, we could fast about, I think the thing that overarches them all is that we're just turning our hearts toward him and saying, God, we're, we need you. Like, we are desperate for you. We are lost without you. Jackie was passing notes. don't know if the, thankfully the teacher didn't see. Jackie was passing notes in class. Just acknowledging the same thing that whenever we were singing that song, that this is the time where he would unite us around our, our desperation for him. And so, um, so I think it would be great just that we finished our time this morning. Step into this over the next couple of days, whoever that's going to look for you. Whether it's a complete fast or it's a partial fast or it's, um, it's, it's joining in. Even if some of you just want to join in with what the kids are doing, like if, just do that. We're just, it's just an intentional turning of our hearts toward him. Um, uniting our hearts and saying, God, we, we recognize that we need you. I still don't feel any sense of pressure or guilt or shame if you're not at the place where you're ready to do a complete fast or we're just inviting you to turn your attention and your affection towards him for, for the next few days. And even just, being, just, just sitting there in the, in the closing moments of worship, um, not the not that sort of like not to put any pressure on it. I think it's good heighten expectation. I'm looking forward to Wednesday night. I think we um, we come to a, a, 
bring our fasting period to a close and just come together to worship. And uh, for a good friend Dixie uh, from Emmanuel Lurgan is going to come and and, uh, and lead that time for us. Um, but please, please be here if uh, please be here if you can. I think uh, it's worth saying too. Um, yeah, I think the worship team have almost done done my job for me. I think what Jenna has said is really important. It's worth just highlighting that again. Um, and I think that's what will happen in this period of fasting as we as we strip some stuff away, we lay some stuff down. You cannot help but feel but feel a certain level of vulnerability in that. When you when you just like become hungry or when you set down the things that, that take up so much of your time and so much of your energy, when you set that away and you're left, you're left almost like in a place of vulnerability. And I think that Jesus wants to transform the real you, as Jenna has said. I think fasting just sort of strips away some of that fakeness or counterfeit. And so I think that's a really important word. What we're doing, it still feels that we're, it's that, we're talking about fasting this morning, so it feels like we're, it's been held within the idea of stewarding our time and our resources really well. Because I suppose we're, over the next two or three, three days, however, um, however, whatever level you engage in this, there is going to be a certain revealing of what has your affection, what has your attention. And, um, and so whenever we th- that's what we're talking about when it comes to stewarding our time talk about that over the last couple of weeks and trying to trying to dig a wee bit deeper into what is it that takes up our time, what is it that takes that has our attention and our affection. I just want to take a few moments just run through really quickly if some of the many reasons we see in, in the in the Bible for fasting. Um you don't have to go to all of these places. We'll take some sort of mental note or physical note. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 12, uh, and so I don't know if anybody is in this place, but Samuel, or David, sorry, David, um, and without getting into the, probably X-rated, <laughs> it would be an 18 certificate on this story, but David um, has had a child with the wife of Uriah, and uh, the child is sick, and so David lay on the ground and fasted fasted for a uh, for sick child. Second Chronicles chapter 20, I think is a, it would be an amazing passage for us just to we could hunker down in the story of King Jehoshaphat um, in Second Chronicles chapter 20. Um, it's one of those places that I find myself going to quite often because in the middle of that story, um, the king in the midst of threat and opposition, in the midst of what is my next step, in the midst of like, what, am I, what am I supposed to do now with all that is coming against me, people are looking towards me. And in, I think it's verse 12 or 13, King Jehoshaphat turns to the Lord and it's like, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And I, I don't know how many times I felt like that this week. And I, I'm sure if you're, again, if you were willing to, to offer the real you this morning, you would have had many of those moments yourself. I don't know what to do, Lord, but my eyes are on you. But it's in the, it's just a few verses back in Second Chronicles 20 and verse 3 where um, in, in the midst of all the uncertainty, in the midst of all the pressure, Jehoshaphat, and I love this language, it feels a bit old school, but he resolved to inquire of the Lord. 
Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And so I don't know if you're, if you're like me. In some ways, I'm sure that we have many similarities. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of uh, not knowing what the next step is, we, we resolve almost <laughs> to work it out every other way before inquiring of the Lord. But here, Jehoshaphat makes, makes his mind up. He, make, he resolves to inquire of the Lord. And then I love what he does. He just doesn't take it upon himself. He, um, he resolves to inquire of the Lord, and then he proclaimed a fast for all the people. I just love the picture of that. Coming in a position where maybe it's, it's on you, Jehoshaphat. You need to go. You need to go to the quiet place. You need to work this out yourself. But Jehoshaphat realizes that that's not what the moment requires. It requires to inquire of the Lord and gather all, gather all of Judah, and turn their attention, turn uh, their corporate attention, their corporate eyes and ears to uh, the voice, to the word of the Lord. Um, we could go to Ezra chapter nine. I think several times throughout the stories, the story of Nehemiah in. And Ezra, in those two, two books, Ezra and Nehemiah, um, we see uh, Ezra heading out on a long journey, told that he's, gonna, he's gathering all his possessions and he's gathering all his children. And maybe it's just like complete panic, but he, begins, he fasts. Maybe for some of us, that's, maybe that's just what you need, heading on a long journey with your kids. It's going to be a long track. You need to fast. Lord, I'm desperate for your help here. That's something, maybe on a grander scale, that, that Ezra was doing. It was, it was more than that. They were, they were stepping into territory that they, that, they were, that they were unsure of. They were taking their family, they were taking their people into, into territory that they, that they weren't used to, that they didn't know, that they weren't comfortable with. Maybe some of us in the room find ourselves in that position. Find ourselves in the position of actually we're, going to, we're gathering our family and stepping into territory that we've never been before. I'm not necessarily saying that doesn't have to be physical. It could be just like spiritually, or it could be, I don't know. Be stepping into to new territory, and you're taking your family with you, and you're taking all your possessions with you. My goodness, what a, what a vulnerable position that is. And Ezra recognized that and called the people to a fast. And I think that's a good reason. Maybe there's something on that for somebody. We see that we see Esther again. Another reason for fasting. We see Esther um, finds herself in this uh, in the place of finding favor of the king. Um, and she's she's built herself up alongside her uncle Mordecai. Go and uh, petition the king on behalf of her people. And she does know how it's going to go because it's against the law for her to make her way unannounced into the presence of the, of the king. And, and so she fasts for wisdom. Her and her handmaids make a decision. They're going to fast for wisdom and they ask Mordecai and all the, and all the Jewish people to do likewise. And so maybe that's, some of you find yourself in that position. Maybe people in positions of business or authority fasting for wisdom fasting in order to discern the voice of the Lord so that you know the right words to say 
when you stand when you stand before people in in positions of authority or those that are making decisions. You need to fast in order to, to know God what I need to say. I'm turning my attention to you. I'm desperate for you. Um Nehemiah Nehemiah chapter one and verse four and Daniel chapter nine. There's just so many probably so many places we could go this morning. But I'm just I was particularly struck, especially this morning, just by these two these two accounts we have of two men fasting. Nehemiah he wept and fasted when he heard when he heard about what was going on in the community that he loved. Heard about the state of Jerusalem. Heard about what was going on. And it broke his heart. And he wept. And he fasted. And then interestingly as that, as that text goes on, he not only confessed for himself and confessed for his father, confessed for the for all the people. We see Daniel do the same. You maybe look at these guys and say, well, like you weren't at fault, you didn't do it. This but they took ownership. They took ownership of this is this is this belongs to us. This is this is on us. And Daniel does the same. He fasts, but he confesses his sins. As he begins to cry out to the Lord, he says, This is what we have done. We have done this, and so we are turning to you who is who is rich in mercy towards you who is slow to anger and, and, and we're turning towards your covenantal loving nature. And, and so Daniel does the same, similar thing to Nehemiah. You read about it in Daniel chapter 9. Read those first few verses in Daniel chapter 9 of how once again he had looked and seen the state of his city and he fasts goes to a place where he's just crying out, turning his attention, resolving to inquire of the Lord on behalf of his city. And again, he uses language that Nehemiah uses. Um, this week, on Friday morning, I myself in this really weird place. of <laughs> I, I, I've, um, I was invited to, to participate in uh, the last the last gathering of professionals um so we'll make a hash of this but there's a review there's a report being done and uh, the government have issued uh the necessity of a report being done on children's social care right across northern ireland i've entrusted it to a guy called professor ray jones as Professor Ray Jones, since last February, has just been gathered, just been meeting everybody that he can meet within this sphere. Um, and so all of that to say, if that's where I was on Friday morning in this review of children's services, and um, hearing from directors of all of the trusts of children's social care right across Northern Ireland, sitting with judges, high court judges, um, sitting with people who are right on the ground, teachers, social workers, um, a vast array of incredible people who are, who are knocking their pan in, 
how to translate that for 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 children and young people in our in our nation. I'll say all of that. Hopefully, not to come across as look where I was, because was, again, that's how that's how big a deal yesterday was. Because I was more intimidated by yesterday than I was with all of these people around around these round tables on Friday morning. Um, but I think it's important to say, and I think we've said this a few times, if we're, if, we're, if we're really serious about where we're going, if we're really serious about the call that is on us and on the church, we can't ignore where we find ourselves right now. We can't ignore what's going on around us right now. And so this is going to feel, this is going to feel heavy. It's going to feel maybe really negative, and I know we come to be built up and to be encouraged. We want to do that, but we can't ignore where we find ourselves as a community and as a society. And so Joel chapter 2, where I want to go for a couple of minutes, I wanted to go to verses 14, 15, 16, and 17. I'm not saying all of this about where I was on Friday just for the sake of it. Whenever I was reading over Joel chapter 2 again last night, I came across these few words are just like, like rip my heart out. <laughs> because it just, it just felt, just reminded me of Friday morning. Everybody was just being really honest. This is a review. This is trying to, and I never want to, I never want to talk politically from here at all. But the political instability, the lack of executive and the lack of government, it is, it is unbelievable what that is doing to our children's services. Um, right across the trust. That needs our attention, that needs our prayers. But Joel chapter 2 says, It is close at hand, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness. This feels awful, like, sharing this, sharing these words and comparing it to today. But that was, the, that was what, over and over again, directors of trust across Northern Ireland, professionals at every level, we're saying about what is where, where we find ourselves and what is coming over the next couple of months in terms of um, children's social care. You know that we're we're passionate about this, but I think we we all need to know what's going on. We all need to have a I think an understanding of where we find ourselves in. It is in a place of, and that was the language used over and over again. It's dark. It is gloomy. Nobody seemed to know what to do. And you're sort of sitting in that moment thinking, acknowledging this is where we find ourselves. This is awful. Something about a chance for us to put a positive spin on this, that, that, that we now have a, we have a chance to know where we are and we're going to resolve to inquire of the Lord. I suppose I just find myself in the position on Friday morning, 75% of what's saying is going way over my head. And so in the 75% that's going over my head, I'm sitting at that table. I'm like, King Jesus, we, uh, we're desperate for you here. Jesus, can you, you do something? Can you use us to bring wisdom to situations that are dark and gloomy? And that's where, the, where Joel found himself, the prophet Joel. And so let's, let's read what he did. Let's read his instructions to the people. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, 
slow to anger and abounding in love and he relents from sending calamity. Who knows, he may turn and have pity and leave a blessing. Verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders and gather the children. And so it's really important that Amy is, has put something together for our children to participate. Just felt that the, the, this was really maybe a bit of a, a word for us as we will not spend every day at this, but there'll be maybe a day that we will give our attention towards what is going on in our communities and what is going on in society. It feels like Joel is a place for us to go in a place of a day of darkness and gloom, clouds are black, that we are going to rend our hearts. We are going to return to the Lord. We're going to gather people. We're going to bring the children in and we're going to call a fast. We're going to blow the trumpet. We're going to lift our voice and cry out to the Lord. And I think it's really important and I think Joel gives us good precedent for what um, what we can what we can do and what we can participate in over these next few days. Forgive me if that is not what you came to church for this morning, but I think if we're what we're called to next, we have to be alert to where we are now. And I think it's something of this. The, the thing that fuels me is that we get to be, we get to bring resolutions. We get to be bring kingdom solutions to what is going on around us. It's very hard to bring kingdom solutions to stuff that you're not, we're not aware of, that we're not alive to. And so what we're called to next, we have to be alert to where we are now. And it was the brokenness of their communities that caused Daniel and Nehemiah to weep and to fast. The brokenness of their communities that caused Daniel and Nehemiah to weep and to fast. It was the brokenness of their communities that caused them and Joel to call an assembly to declare a fast, turn your attention, resolve to inquire of the Lord. And like David, like Nehemiah, not only do we confess the sins that we have committed, we, we confess, we take ownership. Not, not only as we confess the sins that we have committed, we are taking ownership together. That's why it's really important that we do this together. This is a taking ownership. This is not on people who are spiritually elite. It's not on people who have known Jesus for a long time. It's not for people who have had a perfect week and have had it all worked out. This is for us all. For us all to take ownership of um, the, what God is calling us to. There's something, just because it's memorable, it's not that I would put the title on it, but that language that Joel uses, return and rend, it almost has become a bit of a, like a mantra in my head this morning. Return and rend. We probably don't use that word rend too often, but the, the, the practice right throughout the Old Testament rending your garments. There was the, whenever people came to fast, they, they tore their clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes. And so don't worry, we're not inviting you to that. Um, because it's so much more than that. Because rending the garments, was, it's almost, that's almost an easy thing to do. The outward expression at times is almost really easy. What we do, what we do in these times, it's, it's an outward expression. So Matthew, or Jesus talked about that in Matthew 6. Um, 
like go off. Don't, like don't whenever you're fasting, like don't make it really obvious. By your outward expression, don't be sh- don't be sh- revealing to everybody that you're fasting, because outward expression is really easy. And that's why what Joel is saying is really important. Rend your hearts. Who cares about the outside? Because that's that's easy. You can do the counterfeit by rendering your garments. What's going on in here? There's a part of us over the next few days who just want to say, Holy Spirit, you just rend our hearts. You just break our hearts. You just tear our hearts for the things that tear yours, for the things that break yours. It has to be more than an outward expression. And so whenever we get to Acts chapter 13, we have this beautiful moment. And this may be again why I'm looking forward to Wednesday night. Because that was the pattern of the New Testament church. All sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds gathered together in the place of worship and fasting and then the Holy Spirit came and spoke. And so if you went to Acts 13, those first three or four verses in Acts 13, that's what you'll see. All these different people different giftings, different names from different places, different ethnicities, different cultures, all in the one place, worshiping and fasting, and the Holy Spirit sets apart Barnabas and Saul for their assignment. But I think it's always worth saying, and maybe this is language that we've used before, the assignment is really important. And sometimes we're all about the assignment, what we've been called to do. But the assignment for these guys only came after they'd aligned their hearts with God. And that's what fasting is. That's what if, and, and, and of all the definitions we could use, it's aligning our hearts with his. And, and I think that is, that is what's beautiful about this picture. Fasting is about alignment more than it is about assignment. It's not what about what I need to do next, or it's not about what can I get out of it. It's about just simply turning your attention, turning your affection, calling out, resolving to inquire of the Lord, aligning our hearts with his, rending our hearts, returning to the Lord. And our assignment comes, I believe, from from there. Our hearts become aligned in worship, and our hearts become aligned as we fast together. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Rend my heart for what rends yours. And so I suppose over the next few days, as much as anything else, it's uh, good that we do this. Nothing else is going to shake us out of routine. Our our normal routine, and we just like get a chance maybe to snap out of autopilot, because I think that's what helps me snap out of autopilot, just like, Right, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my intentional, giving my intentionality towards something here. I'm going to ask those questions, and really difficult questions at times, because that, it's going to reveal where your heart is. It's going to reveal where your desires are. I think over the next couple of days, where is your attention? What has your heart? Where is it aligned? What it is? What is it aligned to? And so Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, again, as, as Lila said, if you're not sure what to do or you're still um, not ready or prepared, come and, ha- come and have a conversation. You can do three days just a complete fast. 
or you can drop if you're just new and you're you're just conscious of your what your week looks like it's already prepared don't panic if there's just if there's a meal you can drop or if there's if it is media or whatever it is maybe that just you're aware of even now as we're talking that has your heart that has your attention and it maybe just needs to to be set down for a couple of days in order to align your heart again with his um There's many options. There's many options for you. And I, like the last thing, I won't want anybody to feel guilty about what they're not doing or what they're not able to do. But just invite, as long as you're, as long as you make a decision, whether the kids just turning your attention and just dropping something in that envelope for for one day, do that. Do that and do it wholeheartedly. Resolve to inquire of the Lord, however however you can. So um, if the guys could come and lead us in that song as we finish and, and then Lila will pray for us at the end again.